0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. When do we stand up for ourselves? When do we let God fight with us? And most of all, when do we let God fight for us? That's what we talk about today, God who is our avenger. Join me in the Word of God. For
1: more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian.
0: Hello, this is Pastor Bob and Glad you're joining with me today here on Student of the Word. I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 11. While you're finding that, I simply want to point out to you today that growth is the issue, and this is really what God is after in the Christian life. God is not just after more souls, rightfully so that he is, but God is really after more disciples, more than just converts, what the world needs is not just converts, they need stable Christians. One of my favorite verses is Isaiah 33:6. I usually use this when I sign a book and put Isaiah 33, under. it says wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom is the correct application of the word of God. Knowledge is intake of the word of God. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of your salvation. What it's simply saying is stability comes from knowledge of God's word and absolutely assured that you're saved comes from knowledge of God's word. Then it goes on to say wisdom and knowledge with the stability of your times, the strength of salvation, because the fear of the Lord or reverence for God is your treasure. What do you treasure most of all? What God is looking for today, especially in the day we're living in with the world going so crazy as it's going right now, he needs stable Christians and a stable Christian knows when God is our avenger. That's what we're going to be talking about today. There's a time when God fights for you. But understand there's three different times that God fights. Number one, he fights with you. That's in times of war. There's times you fight on your own. Whenever circumstances arise up, you use the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, in those cases. But as far as God getting off the throne to actually help you, he's given his word, which is powerful. He's given you the Holy Spirit, which is powerful. And you learn to operate in those things. And so you can actually stand up and with your faith, you can use it against the circumstances of life. Romans chapter eight. What shall we then say to these things? What things? Well, famine and, and pestilence and, and lack of food and lack of clothing, nakedness, and, you know, just general attacks of the world. Because if you're in the world, you're going to find trouble. It says, no, what shall we then say to these things? What do we say? If God be for us, who can be against us? We speak to circumstances. And so we speak the word of God. God doesn't necessarily get off the throne and help me in that case. He's given me all the weapons I need, so I fight. But then there's times when God fights alongside of us, and that's whenever We are attacked as far as a nation is concerned. We rise up and we defend our nation. God's looking for good soldiers, but promises us in the midst of that time period, he will fight with us, stand beside us. And so God fights with us. But there's also time when God fights all by himself. And we need to know when those times are to simply turn those things over to God. Let's talk about it. Proverbs chapter 11, take a look at verses 24, through verse 31, there is one who scatters and yet increases. This is a person of faith, knowing the more they give, that God's going to give back. There is one who withholds more than is necessary and tends to poverty. The liberal soul will be made fat, and he who waters shall be watered also himself. "'He who withholds corn, the people shall curse him, "'but blessing shall be upon the head of him who sells it. "'He who diligently seeks good uh, procures favor, "'but he who seeks mischief, it shall come back upon him. "'He who trusts in his riches shall fail, "'but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. "'He who troubles his own house shall inherit the wind, "'and the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart.'" The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise. Whenever we get prosperity and things in earth and from the tree of life and serving God and finances come, the purpose of us to win souls. Look at verse 31. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth and much more the wicked and the sinner. It says a righteous man will be reckoned up uh, recompensed back by God, but the wicked and the sinner will eventually re, uh, reap of their own things and they will be banished to hell and eventually the lake of fire. Those that are wicked never accept the Lord. Let's take a look at verse 31. The word for recompense means to pay back what is owed, to receive their dues. This is not in heaven, it's in earth. What the Lord is saying is, oh yeah, there's gonna be things in heaven, but there's actually things on earth we can do. And so one of the things we need to know is from the word of God, when to fight and when to let God fight. There's things again, these verses of scripture that recompense, but we need to know there's times when things come against us, we don't pull our fist out. And there's times when things come against us, we stand back and let God do it. But there's also times we work together with God. I mentioned war. I mean, throughout history and especially the Word of God, they were asked to go to war back to the times of Moses and the children of Israel when they came in the Promised Land, they went to war. And they fought back in the time when Abraham was there, he had an army that went out to fight. And it seems to me God has always done this. He never defeats large armies with larger armies. God defeats large armies with small armies. And the smaller the smaller the army, uh, the, the better that God likes it. You know, I t- think a look at when Gideon was on the threshing floor and God called him a great man of valor. He saw past the outside, he saw past the shyness, he saw past the uh, fact that he came from the smallest tribe and the smallest family and the smallest member of the family, he finally understood that what God was saying was, I don't look for great men of power and strength. I don't look for necessarily great rulers. I look for an open heart and I'm the one that will make them into what I want. But he had to say yes to going to battle. And God basically said, you say yes to going to battle, I will fight with you. This is what God has always done throughout history. In Abraham, Abraham had a very small army and went out and defeated five armies that came against them in chapter 14 of the book of Genesis. Here we have in our story here, you know, uh, where uh, we have uh, the Gideon on the threshing floor, is eventually he went to battle and won tremendously as God fought with him. And this has happened throughout time. And so in our own nation, I know that there's been men, uh, men that have gone into battle, stood with God, heard... Uh, Uh, great stories from missionaries coming back, how that God preserved them in the midst of battle and they came through while others were being killed around them, they were not. Stood on the scripture, a thousand may fall at one side, 10,000 at the other, but it will not come nigh me. And so these rewards we're talking about are not all rewards in heaven, but while we're here on earth. When do we fight and then when do we let God fight? Let's take a look at Matthew chapter five. When do we let God do the fighting for us? All right, Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. If you can underline that or amplify that for righteousness' sake, we can now understand when do we let God have the battle. And when do we not let him have the battle, all right? It says they are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all manners of evil against you falsely, for my sake, we have it amplified again, underline that and amplify that. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you." What he's saying in those verses of scripture is, there is a time to stand and fight personally against the attacks from people. In other words, if you're kind of a shrimp and bullies pick on you, it might be good to learn how to defend yourself. I've had people tell me in church, well, my son wants to take karate. I think that's terrible. Don't you, pastor? Shouldn't he trust in God? Well, it all depends on why he's being attacked. Is he being attacked because he's small? They think they can pick on him? Then I would say send him off and have him him learn some self-defense. And, and work with him in those areas, you know, to where at least he may, he may end up being beat. But on the other hand, if he managed to beat them up some of the meantime, they'll think twice about attacking him again. What they're looking for is somebody that won't fight back. This is the natural things of life. Weapons are permitted in the word of God. Jesus told his disciples to sell their coat and buy a sword. If they didn't own one, when he was leaving, he said, look, I'm going. But if you don't have a weapon and the weapon here was not to attack people, it was a defensive weapon. If they come against you, if they attack you, if there's thieves on the road that want what you've got, if they want to break into your house, be a well-armed man that has his house protected. And so a well-armed man cannot be easily broken into and robbed, Jesus said. So in the first case, if people just attack you, don't know if you're a Christian or not. They just want to attack you, come against you, beat up on you, pick on you because you're small. In other words, be able to protect yourself. Uh, I have a niece that took karate and she was outside of, a, of a, a place one night. She was just talking to some friends. There was a club down the street and some drunk guys came out. A couple of them came down, started picking on her. And then they started making passes at her while they were drunk and they wouldn't quit. And finally, because she knew karate, she leveled them, knocked them on the on the ground, swept their feet out from under them. Both of them hit the ground, and those standing around applauded her. See, in that case, you don't stand back and say, God's going to handle this. No, God says it's our right to understand. It's our right to protect yourself, and she did. Weapons again are permitted in the word of God, and we find this out again when Jesus was leaving up until that time. He, they didn't have much. They might have had something. I know that Peter had one. He pulled a sword out uh, before while Jesus was being arrested. It Jesus didn't tell him you shouldn't have a weapon. He said, there's a time to use it and a time not to use it. And when people attack you just because they want to attack you, rob from you, even want to kill you to get what you've got, there's a time to stand up on your own. But next of all, in war. Again, in war, God will fight with you. When it comes to attacks from bullies and those around you, learn some self-defense. You fight back. But in war, God promises he'll fight with you. You are honestly obeying his word and God will fight with you. But the third one is in these verses of scripture, when people pick on you because you're a Christian and they come against you because you know Jesus, that's when you stand back and let God defend you when they mock your faith, God can defend himself and he can defend you. We see this in the life of Joseph. He was attacked for being a believer and he did not fight back. And God kept promoting him to where he finally ended up in the lowest prison and God brought him up to the second highest in command in the nation. Daniel did this, did not defend himself when they told him he had to bow down and worship the gods there as he was taken into captivity in Babylon and worship the Babylonian gods. He said, no, he did not bow. They actually threw him into a lion's den. He came out of it. And then Peter and Paul also we're told, and they did not bow down. We find Peter also with John being taken in before the Sanhedrin. They did not stand up. They didn't have a protest in the street. They didn't bring in disciples from other places and march with banners. They just simply said, we're not going to obey you. And they did not. And they let God defend them. And God will do that. And again, throughout the word of God, take a look with me at Luke chapter 18 and verses one through eight. And here Jesus said, he spoke a parable to them to this purpose that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was a city and a judge who and a judge that feared not God, neither regarded man, but there was a widow in that city. And she came to him saying, avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man yet, because this widow troubles me, I will avenge avenge her, lest by her continual coming, she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge teaches. Will not God avenge his own elect who cried day and night before him? Though he bears long with him, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This verse is simply saying, there's times in this life where we have to come and keep pounding on the door of someone because it's their job to avenge us. This is the law and legal help should come. We depend on them, but That we can't depend on them because sometimes they're just there and they're just passing things off. But God is not that way. I can come to him knowing when I'm supposed to turn to him and he will avenge me. And this verse says speedily. So when people come against you because you're a Christian, they tell you you can't go to church. They try to tell you don't stand up for Jesus. We'll throw you in jail. You come to God and present your case to him and he promises he will take care of you. You might end up in jail. You might end up in heaven, but God will still vindicate his word and vindicate indicate his church. I'll see you right after the break. The
1: Beatitudes may be considered as the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, and they serve well as a table of contents for Jesus' sermon there. They are divided into two sections, receiving the Word of God as a hearer of the Word and delivering the Word of God as a doer of the Word. In seven profound lessons, Bob Yandian explores the Beatitudes found in Matthew chapter 5, and thoroughly describes the progression found in these verses, which correspond directly to our walk with the Lord and our maturing in Him. Message titles include The Poor in Spirit, Those Who Mourn, Who Are the Meek, A Hunger for Righteousness, The Seeds of Mercy, The Peacemakers, and Blessed in Persecution. To order Grace for Growth, The Beatitudes, go to bobbyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click
0: on Partnership. As we are coming back to the Word of God again, I want to say thank you to all my supporters, those who stand with me those who are my partners in this ministry. You know, partnership is, Paul commended the church at Philippi and gave them five times when the word partnership is mentioned in that chapter, but talked about they were partners together in the gospel, partners together in God's grace, partners together in giving, five different things he mentioned in the book of of, uh, Philippians there because why this group of people stood with him. When Paul was in his time, his most dire circumstances, financially had no money, had to start making tents and had no way. He couldn't text to these people, pick up a phone and call them. They were a long way off by the Holy Spirit. They picked it up and they brought him support, sent it to him. It so moved him that out of a great trial of affliction, even they still gave to him, it moved him. Mention that three times. I want you to know this. People might say, why do you mention the partners so much? Because I appreciate them. You guys have come to my rescue. There's times here at the office, we'll take a look at something and the money isn't there for it, but all of a sudden we'll get a check. We'll get somebody sitting in and we have one that just a couple of times has just sent us some stocks. And just amazing things happen again because of God speaking to people. They hear it and they respond. But also, those who don't wait to hear from God, they simply say on a monthly basis, I want to send finances into Bob's ministry because what he's done for me, I want him to do for other people. And listen to me, money isn't buying anything. It only helps to open up opportunities for people to hear the incredible word of God. Giving of tangible things, of temporary things such as money can again, bring eternal rewards, to use your finances so that somebody can find eternal life. You're going to stand in heaven one day and God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over much. And you'll look around and see the multitudes of people that were won into the kingdom of God by those who again were faithful to give of their tangible, natural things of life. You're only here for so long, your life is not eternal, your natural life on earth, it's only lasts so long, 70 years, maybe 80 years at the max, or maybe 90 years, who knows? But the point of it is, it still comes back to this, while you're here for this temporary time, and you have temporary money, and you have temporary health while you're here, use those things for eternal things to win people for the kingdom of God. Thank you, those who support this ministry. Thank you for those who stand by me. Thank you, as Moses said to those on each side who held up his hands and they could win the battle. Thank you for doing that, partners. I love you. Thank you so much. But I want to speak to you who are watching today that perhaps have been watching for a while. Some of you, even God has spoken to you, but you haven't done it yet. Others, you know in your heart, you want to give. Just start doing it. Again, I thank you in advance for saying yes to the voice of God, yes to that conviction in your heart that what God has done for you through this ministry, others, you're going to open up the door for them by your giving. We'll find this also. Thank you again. Go to BobbyAndian.com. You'll find a place there on the website where you can become a partner with me. Luke chapter 18, we already talked about it in verses 1 through 8, was the story of a widow that came because of what was going on in her life and she needed a judge. That's what this judge was for. But we find out this judge was lazy. He really didn't want to do it. And this is what we often find in life. These people are voted in. These people take these offices. And then when they get there, they forget about the people. And people send them notes. They send them letters. They send them texts. They send them emails. They knock on their door. They give them phone calls. And sometimes they still don't respond. That's what this judge was like. But this woman kept persisting and persisting and persisting until he finally did it. This is contrary to what God is, What God says That's what natural unjust judges can do. I will not call on me. I will come to you. There's a time when you need to call on God because you know what? You can't do it yourself. When the world's coming against you, they're persecuting you because you stand up for Jesus. They don't like what you have done. And God says, bring it to me and I'll take care of it. What I'm simply saying is the time we are living in right now, we are seeing more and more people being put into office and we wonder what happens to them after a while. We elect them for something but doesn't come to pass. You can go over their head. We have a God in heaven who promises he will avenge us. It may come to a time we're thrown in jail simply because we have trusted in Jesus as our Savior, and because we witness. And they say, no, we're not going to allow. That happened to the disciples in Acts chapter 4. And at the end of chapter 3, I mean, they were hauled in and told never to preach again the name of Jesus. And Peter and John both said, they said, listen, whether to obey you or to obey God, we have no choice. We're going to obey God. This is a command from God, and you cannot override it. And they went back to church. God verified it by sending an earthquake and shaking the church. The place they were at was was shaken. They then went out and preached in the name of Jesus even harder. And the chapters after that was signs, wonders, miracles, signs, wonders, and miracles. And they've simply stood up. We come to the point in chapter seven. At the end of chapter six, we have the first martyr. And that was Stephen. And because he refused to back down to what they were saying, we're coming to that day. And what I'm simply saying is God will avenge his elect. So this comes back to it. That is what God's, one of his main missions for is defending us. He promised he would defend Abraham. He promised he would defend us and God will come through at the right time. So the end result of this parable is simply saying, don't give up in prayer. Because why? God says he will avenge his elect. We are his elect and he will come through. So we often look around for a legal solution. And that's fine. That's what these men are set up for and women are set up for in government. But immediately ceasing of the enemy and compensation for what has been taken, God said, if they won't come through for you, I will come through for you. And in fact, if they do come through, I will still come through for you. I went through a long period in our church, some three years of a lawsuit that came against us. And I tried my best. I did my best. I'm sure I could have done a whole lot better, but I did what the attorneys asked me to. I did what the word of God did. And yet the people kept coming against us for three years. At the end, God avenged us. It was wonderful how it all came through. And it simply came back to this, that while that time that we were going through that, I had to keep depending on God. There was times I did what I, sh- I should did, we went to our attorneys and talked to them, but my trust was not in my attorney. My trust was in God and God came through for us in the end. What a wonderful thing. And that's happened so many times in my life where again, I now have to know where to draw the line. Is this a challenge on me? Because people just don't like me. I mean, when I was in high school, and junior high, I wasn't the strongest guy there. And some people would pick on me. All right, and that's the time I should stand up for myself. It's a time I did stand up for myself. And there's times I got hit, there's times when people hit me and I headed up down on the ground, got back up. But you know what? When it comes to the things of the spirit, when it comes to those things, God has promised us and told us in the book of Matthew and other places, when they come against you for righteousness sake, turn it over to God, he can defend himself. He will defend himself and doesn't need your help. How can you help God? God can help you, but you can't help him. So it simply comes back in this story, the lady asked to be avenged or reckoned. Compensed of her enemy. The judge was obligated to uphold the law, though he did not, first of all, want to do it, had no reverence for God. He finally did it out of her persistence. That's not the kind of God we serve. God's simply letting us know, I'm not that kind of a God. I'm a God that's, that's humble. I'm a God that will listen to you. I'm a God that cares about you. I'm a God that is powerful. I have literally angelic armies in heaven that will do this. Jesus on the cross, could have called for legions of angels, but he did not. Why? Because it would have been proper, it would have been right, but it wouldn't have been consistent with God's plan for him. He was to die for the sins of the world. But because he was dying, because they came to persecute him for calling himself the son of God and preaching the word of God, he would have had every right to call legions of angels to protect me. But I know this too. I have legions of angels around me to protect me, but I've got to know when it's time for them to protect me when the word picks on me because I'm a Christian or thinks because they don't know God. They are more powerful than I do because they serve their God, which is Satan himself. The object of this story is, again, not persistence with a non-caring God, but how to pray to be recompensed and avenged by a loving, caring God who, like a father watching over us, wants to take care of us. You know, the word of God says, if while you're here on this earth, it says, if a child asks bread from his father, will he give him a rock? The answer is no. If he asks for an egg, will he get a scorpion? You ask for something that's good for you, will God give you something bad for you? He says no. If an earthly parent knows how to take care of their child, how much more will a loving heavenly father take care of us? When we are being attacked, God wants to avenge us. Why? Because he wants to protect us. You know, I heard a minister say one time, he says, well, the Bible says thou shalt not kill. And he says, I believe that what that means is even if I come home, my wife is being raped and somebody's you know, about to kill her and robbing her house, I'm not gonna do anything, I'm gonna give it to God. That is absolutely wrong from the word of God. You are to defend those you love. And that's what God says. If an earthly parent can care for a child and take care of them, if an earthly husband can take care of his wife and love her and protect her, God will take care of us. We are his children, even more than natural children. That my father had me here, my mother had me here. One day they're gone, and I'll be gone too in heaven. We will forever. From the time we got born again throughout all of eternity, be the children of God. And God has prepared a wonderful place for us and will protect us while we're here. So this is for God to find faith in the earth in prayers for vengeance and revenge toward the things of this earth. And we do do serve a God of vengeance who will finally on our enemies come and practice that vengeance and bring it out on them. And eventually this earth is to be taken over by Jesus who will come back who will appear and then come to this earth. And when he does appear and come to this earth, he's going to kick Satan off this earth, all fallen angels off this earth, demons off this earth, Antichrist the false prophet the beast he's going to get rid of he's get rid of all uh, religion on the earth cast off all unbelievers off the earth finally even take the curse that Adam had brought into this earth and will be removed and we will move into a thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ which is the opening of all of eternity so God is not like the unjust judge God will avenge us speedily. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 22 says this, don't say I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, he will deliver you. This is in times when again, the world is coming against us for our gospel and for our standing with Jesus and for the fact that we spread the gospel. More and more we're seeing it. it's happened overseas in other nations. They tell you, you can have church and you can talk about Jesus in church, but you can't do it on the streets. Listen, we were not sent to the churches to preach the the gospel, we were sent into all the world to spread the gospel, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we have a mandate from God to preach this on the streets, Paul did it on the streets of Jerusalem. Paul did it on the streets of Rome. Paul did it in Philippi. Paul did it in Ephesus. He preached the word of God on the streets and mighty signs and wonders came to where he said, I have fully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 30, for we know that he has said, vengeance belongs to me. I will recompense, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. What are we simply saying there? Know when to draw the line. Up to a certain point, you can fight back when people come against you. With your nation, you can fight for your nation. God will work with you. But there comes a time when God simply says, stand back, I'm going to handle this one. This is revenge on a world that hates me and Satan that hates me, they're picking on you. I will defend you as a parent defends his child. Great word of God. Be sure and get this series that I'm offering and I will see you next time.
1: You can order resources, become a partner,